Please join me in our responsive welcome. No matter who you are or where you are in life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. No matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. And you are wanted and you are valued here. We have stories of faith that connect us. We have stories of faith that connect us, whether you're in Connecticut or Colorado, the United States or Europe or anywhere in the world. Sometimes it's difficult for us to forget or to remember that the Christian faith that we practice and embody is an outgrowth of Judaism. And Matthew, from whom the scripture comes this morning, is one of the gospel writers who most adhered to more of the uh, uh, Jewish traditions. And in the Jewish tradition, their pastor was called rabbi. Rabbi means teacher. And so Matthew, in his gospel, in chapters 5, 6, and 7, though he opens chapter 5 with portraying Jesus as being going up on a mountain to teach, has collected teachings from throughout Jesus' ministry and put them in this condensed body of teachings in chapter 5, 6, and 7. He opens that with the Beatitudes. And guess what's one Sarah is preaching on this morning? Look at the cover of your, your bulletin and the songs and the prayers. It's all about heart. Now, as human beings, uh, in traditions of hundreds of years of art and music and poetry and, and narrative, there is kind of a, a mishmash or confusion about where the seat of the self lies. In the arts, it often is referred to in the heart. In more cognitive areas, we think about it as in our brains or in our heads, our minds. Where are you centered? If you think of yourself, or when you speak, we obviously speak with our voices, but where is your sense of self focused? Our heart is often considered embodying our emotions, our feelings. So the sense of self is often a collaboration or a mixture of both mind and heart and spirit. But today we're going to listen with our hearts. So reading from the Gospel of Matthew, verses 3 through 9. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God.
was introducing the Beatitudes, I was reminded of a saying. I don't remember who said it, but it goes like this. Better to have heart with no words than words without heart. I often use that as an introductory to prayer sometimes because sometimes silence is an easier language for prayer uh, than words that can unintentionally divide and get in the way and serve as a distraction. Clearing our hearts or the clarity of heart is well represented in the snow, I think. Consider this reality that is beyond our control, this conflagration of circumstances and conditions in the atmosphere that leads to snow. The surprise of the accumulation overnight. If you notice the trees, you saw how heavy they were with snow this morning. It's early in the season. Thankfully, there was no wind or there would have been breaking of tree limbs and uprooting of trees themselves. Consider how in your life, through circumstances and conditions beyond your control, something has fallen upon you, more specifically upon your heart. And it's created this substance that at best is beautiful, but at worst can wreak havoc for travelers and those who are experiencing homelessness. We look for people to shovel away the snow. Sometimes we have the luxury of waiting for sunshine to come. In time, we trust that the ground of being will be revealed. From a biblical perspective, Paul has said much of this. The heart represents the inner person, the mind, the will, the understanding. It's the seat of our very being. From a scientific perspective, it's the center of physical life. All the blood moves from that place and returns to that place. We live our life through our senses. We see, hear, taste, smell, touch, and some see a sixth sense, the sense of intuition. There are others that are being talked about as well. And our senses are in constant conversation with whatever surrounds us. It just happens. You see, you hear, you smell, you touch. You can even taste things without them going into your mouth. In fact, for those of us who are aging, sometimes taste actually diminishes over time. I'm experiencing that myself. But my smell is helping me. So I'm still tasting. At least I think I am. 
clearing our hearts, this concept of being pure in heart or clearing our hearts, learning to see with our hearts or hear with our hearts, is taking our senses and mixing them up intentionally. So we use the metaphor of seeing with our heart, of hearing and touching with our eyes, of using what is sort of typical to us, even in states of diminishment, and combining them in new ways so that we can see and hear and feel and touch in new ways. I remember when I started to need glasses, a mentor of mine says, well, now it's time for more insight. (laughs) It worked in the moment. (laughs) I felt better, I guess. (laughs) But as our physical senses diminish, as they seem to do quite naturally, It is time to hone the inner resources of seeing and hearing and feeling and touching. That's why when we talk about blessing, we say, you know, you can bless with presence. You notice, I'm sure, that some people are not comfortable with touch. That's an important thing to notice. not to change, not to fix, just to notice. And so touch can be offered with a glance. A loving touch can be offered with a glance or with a word or just with a physical presence. The concept of clearing our hearts is significant and it's important and it seems to make sense that it's the seventh of the eighth beatitude that we're going to look at because it goes a little bit deeper. Mystics tell us, Christian tradition tells us that the heart remembers who we are. And sometimes life leads us in ways that forgets who we are. I love what you said, Wayne, about the plate. And I think about communion when I think about the plate about coming to that table, about looking in the offering plate. That's a whole new concept now of seeing who you are and becoming what you see through your generosity and through your participation in what we call the Lord's Supper or the Sacrament of Communion. Or seeing who you are and becoming what you see when you sit at table with your family. Recognizing that some families are getting smaller as others are expanding. Was it not beautiful to see Dawson come forward with his dad with Christmas music? (laughs) It was beautiful, wasn't it? That was a heart moment. I hope you felt it. The invitation of this beatitude is to tune into our heart and to listen for what it carries and learning to listen to our heart. John O'Donohue, you've probably noticed by now, he's one of my favorites. He says, though we live much of our lives outside in action and engagement with the world, 
The deeper impact of what happens is registered in the narrative of the heart. The narrative of the heart is one of love and joy and gratitude. It's also one of hurt and betrayal and confusion. The clearing of the heart is one that invites us to seek the clearing of hurt and betrayal and confusion. He talks about three states of the heart. First, the courageous heart. That's one that will go forth and engage life despite confusion and fear. Or a fearful heart, the one that is hesitant and will tend to hold back a little bit. Or the heavy heart, which will make for a burdened, unlived life. What's the state of your heart? Imagine clearing away judgment to reveal compassion. Imagine offering mercy and forgiveness to reveal liberation. Imagine releasing the habit of protection and fear which at one point was quite necessary and spot on. But imagine now releasing that habit of protection and fear to reveal joy. The clearing of the heart is the work of the spirit. It's a movement of grace. It's a movement of resurrection. So we've gone from Christmas to Easter. It's resurrection because the second part of that beatitude is that you will see God or you will see the living presence. See it with your eyes or feel it with your heart. Something will shift. Where did you see God today? Is another way of saying where was your heart clear? Or when was your heart clear? I also had Christmas on my mind, uh, actually Easter, Easter. Um, The tune, Now the Green Blade Rises, came to my mind this morning. You'll know why when you hear the lyrics. When our hearts are wintry, grieving or in pain, your touch can call us back to life again. Fields of our hearts that dead and bare have been Love has come again like wheat arising green. Beautiful poetry that talks about the resurrection. Where has that happened for you? Where has your wintry heart been touched to reveal the wheat arising green. I have to tell you, for me, this took decades. Decades. I didn't even know how barren my heart was until it started to come to life again. There was a lot of snow. And there were a lot of leaves on a young tree. And it was windy. 
But God's grace and God's love can replant, can restore, can resurrect even the most wintry of hearts. That's what we celebrate here. That's what your heart knows to be true. And I've heard people talk about, you know, the longest distance in the world is the 18 inches from your head to your heart. I've never measured it. It's longer than a first down. That seems to be pretty hard sometimes. (laughs) All right, well, that's 18 feet, but it's only 18 inches, so it's not quite the same. But, you know, it doesn't come naturally to most of us. And so we practice these different things to get there. And one of the things that I have found extremely helpful in connecting with my heart and moving inward over the years has been music and the arts. Now, I'm sure most of you get that, right? Music and art can move us in ways that transcend words. Sacred scripture and poetry, same thing. Talks in a language of symbols and um, can get there but also the practice of centering prayer. That's from our Christian tradition or the Buddhist tradition, which I find very similar, is the practice of concentration, which is a collecting of mind and heart, where there is exterior stillness. It's not a strict stillness. If you have an itch, you can scratch it. Uh, If you're uncomfortable, you can move, which is great. But exterior relative stillness and interior silence. And silence becomes our teacher. And in practicing this, it it invites us to select a word, a sacred word, as a symbol of God's presence. Or in the Buddhist tradition, the breath, which is a wonderful symbol of God's presence, especially for those of you who went to the Bible study this morning you know that the breath is the beginning of everything. And we're invited to turn and return to that word, sitting in silence. Thoughts will happen, sounds will arise, and all this is normal, right? The mind thinks, the eyes see, The ears hear. The nose smells. We're not trying to turn that off, but we're trying to collect it in a way that it's not primary, that it's secondary. We're going to try this for just a minute, but I want to remind you that at each moment of distraction, you're just invited to gently return to the breath with a friendly attitude, Oh, there you are. Try not to attach. Uh, One of my teachers says it's like training a wild horse, you Bronco fans. Right? You want it trained in here, not out there. I get it, on the field. But for me, a better image, um, one that just fits more for me, is a puppy. 
Just think about the love of a puppy. What does it want? It wants to be pet. It wants to be fed. And so if you find your mind just jumping all over the place, just take that little puppy in your lap. Just hold it gently with all the love you have. And it's still going to pop its little head up. Its little tail's going to wag. And that's okay. It's just being a puppy. That's the friendliness with which to engage your brain. So, you know, I'm looking at the time. Let's just, you know, we got here. Let's just stay for four hours. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) You know, really, we're just going to try it for two minutes. It's not a long time. But at least you can say you tried it for two minutes. And then if you decide to try it for two more minutes again, you can. And if we decide we want to do it as a group another time, we'll do that. So I invite you to just sit comfortably and soften your gaze. You don't have to close your eyes, but you can. And pay attention to your breath or a word. And just try to stay with it. Like anything, it's the practice that counts. Not the perfection, but the practice. Let silence be your teacher. Let gentleness be your companion. That you may find yourself resting in the ground of being that is your heart center, where the one who created you the one who is beyond knowing and naming awaits. And now, dear ones, I offer you this benediction. Life is a gift. 
and we haven't much time to gladden the hearts of those who make the journey with us. So be quick to love. Be quicker still to be kind, that the gift of your life may be poured out as a blessing to others. And when you go, wherever you go, may the love of God enfold you. May the peace of Christ fill you. And may the communion of the Holy Spirit encourage you along the way.